0: to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. I'm just going to pray for us as we, as we get into the Word. Father, thank you for the privilege, God, of, of meeting in your house. Thank you, God, that for your blood. Thank you that, that which makes us brothers and sisters is you. And we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you're in this place. And we open up our hearts for your word. Holy Spirit, come and just minister into each and every one of our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for those that don't know me, if you're visiting us, my name is Young George. Um, I'm assistant pastor here, together with with um, with Pastor Henny. And uh you know, it's a privilege for me this morning to to just come and share a word that I that I believe God has just laid on our laid on my heart to, to share with us. On the one side it's it's a little it, it seems like a little bit of an odd timing to share this message because it's in December and it's maybe a message that you would want to share with as many people present as possible. Um okay. but I believe that this is gonna lay a foundation uh for a converse, conversation that's gonna continue and this is uh, a part of the conversation that Henny has also already started, so i 'm going to ask you guys that are here to spark this conversation to to not just stop here today but to actually carry on into into next into next year and i 'm going to talk a little bit about um, authentic community and uh, um, and what what that entails etc and, and it and does form part of um, of this series of of god 's building and um, there's a there 's a tweet. Or before I get to the tweet, my prayer is really this morning that whether our hearts, our actions are aligned with what the Word says with regards to this area or not, that you would say, Amen, that makes sense. I can see what God is saying about this. So it's not an intention to knock anybody. It is really for us just to align our hearts and our actions with what God's Word Says about about community and in that sense authentic community. Um, I'm going to read you this this one this one tweet of um, um, T- Tim Keller, um, pastor in New York, I think. He uh, he had this this um, Twitter conversa- or he had this Q&A basically on Twitter two years ago. And uh, we'd allow people to ask him any questions that he wanted. And Jefferson Bethke, if if the name rings a bell, that's a guy that that, that, uh, video clip on Jesus bigger than religion kind of a thing, why I I love Jesus but hate religion, he did that one. We we use it in in Encounter 1 as well. He asked this question, If you could give my generation one piece of advice or encouragement, what would it be? And then Tim Keller's response was, you are, a genera- you are the generation most afraid of real community because it inevitably limits freedom of choice, freedom and choice. Get over your fear. And uh, there's another, another quote here from, 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 John, from John Wesley. It says, I continue to dream and pray about a revival of holiness in our day that moves forth in mission. And creates authentic community in which each person can be unleashed through the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill God's creational intentions. And what it comes down to is that, (laughs) and what what Tim Keller also actually says, he says that we as a generation, that that involves pretty much all of us here in this room, um, is that we we want the, the prize of authentic community. There's a, I think there will be a general consensus here that we long for authentic community, um, but we so often don't want to pay the price that goes along with attaining to that authentic community, um, or, or the commitment or the commitment of self-sacrifice that it entails. Um, and, and specifically here in Johannesburg, that is that is so relevant, um, and we're going we're to unpack that a little bit. First, just look at what, what the Bible, also just, just the pattern that there is in the Bible with regards to, to authentic community, or just community and how Jesus did it. And Jesus' model says, like in, he dealt with the crowds. He, uh, in Mark 10, verse 1, you can follow with me up there. It says, Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and, he were, and as was his custom, he taught them. So there's a place of where, in the Bible where people would gather in their masses um, as part of a community um, under, under Jesus' teaching. Luke 10 verse 1 to 2 says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was, where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that's just on a little bit of a smaller scale, 72. In our our context, that would probably more be like in our districts. I would say probably our districts. We have three districts in our congregation. I haven't done the maths, but if I had to guess, then we'd probably be around there. Um, When we gather in our district and district context, this will typically be um, about the size that we'd, we'd get down to in terms of 72. So you get these different sizes. And then obviously, as we all know, Jesus dealing with his 12 disciples, Luke 6 verse 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. And you'll see that interestingly enough, most of our small groups are around about this size, give or take six. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good midway because the, by the time you reach 18 in number, it's, by, it's maybe about time to, to multiply and then you then you two groups of nine and then you below the the 12 threshold anyway and interesting is 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 that what do we find in terms of discipleship and in community it can't happen in isolation um it it's you can have great bible study you can have great worship at your, on your own and you should have by the way but in terms of that, that needs to flow out into into community and i've just found that Um, Pouring myself, my life into others is the time often when I get formed and shaped the most. Um, And at times when you have to do something which you don't really like, but you do it, then you're confronted sometimes with your own shortcomings and just have to have a heart check. Like, God, what is going on here? I really don't want to do this. Um, And it's it's the quickest way of getting over ourselves is when, when we're in a bigger group, and we are going. I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of somebody else, similar to when we have kids. Um, you, you just have to get over yourself sometimes for the sake of your child. Um, I remember when was it? I think it was with the last three-day fast in July, where I was at the end of the fast, came home and I'm just pop, or, or it was for missions, and I just wanted to. We had well, I think we did a five-day uh, fast, so I was just tired, and, and I just it sort of just go through the day and i'm just i just want to get home and just I, I i just need to lie down otherwise i am going to faint so so what happens is i walk i walk into the home and as i just go lie down on the couch sylvia who's who's an who's a nanny for for elaine and amy louise three days a week um she's just like um you know elaine's a little bit sick and i'm like what's wrong and so make a long story short, uh, Elaine woke up from her bed, and she vomited in her bed, so Sylvia was cleaning that up, and I'm like, okay, cool, and so I, I get up, and I'm still a little bit weary, and I, as I pick her up, pff, comes the second rush of vomit, all over me, and I'm like, okay, so at, at that time, you don't, you don't even think about, I was thinking I was going to faint, kind of thing, you deal with your child right now because they need it, and you forget about your own miserable state um, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> the point i 'm just making is that the moment we take ownership of other people or commit ourselves to other people it's we, we, we have to get we, we place ourselves in situations where we grow and we stretch and where we become more like christ so that 's just the importance of why we as a as a congregation place that much value on discipleship in community, um, so for us Sunday services is just as important as Wednesday small group. It's just as important as other times in the week when when we get together, um, just to, to catch up or have accountability or just hear how it's going, and um, establishing that that culture in us. And just further further from a biblical pattern, um, we see the early church model in Acts two verse forty six, the first part says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So we see this this coming together at the temple courts, big group, and you see them coming together in house to house, smaller groups. In further Acts five, verse forty two says day after day in the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And then Acts 20 verse 20 So You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. And what I've seen just with, with, with us as a congregation over the years, and we've grown through a nice size now, and, and, and I really believe that God wants us to, to kick on in terms of growing. However, I feel that this is an important part of our DNA, if you want to call it that, Um, that we need to get right as a congregation in terms of prioritizing community within the big group and in the small group. Um, I I see the tendency of some people like the bigger group and don't like the smaller group that much and vice versa. Some people love going to small group but they don't like coming to Sunday church kind of a thing Um, and, and there's nothing per se wrong with it. I just want to encourage us to grow through that and grow past that. Um, what, I've, what I've noticed with people that love the smaller group and don't love the, the, the Sunday services is normally the tendency there is, I like the personal contact, and I feel I get a little bit lost in the crowd on a Sunday. I, I lack the closer intimate moments with individuals. And almost the inverse is true for people that love coming to Sundays. They love the worship, uh, they love the bigger group, but don't always like to engage more personally. Um, and and there's, there's a room for both. Um, but both is important. Um, and that's why I say, let's get that part of our DNA right, that we prioritize each other, whether it be from house to house when you meet with your friends or small group or on Sunday services um, coming together. Because collectively together we make disciples of one another, disciples of Jesus Christ. See, so here's the thing is that, that we, we really we really need community. In case you didn't know it, we need community to grow like Christ. Who of you came to salvation by the preaching of somebody? Hands up. Who of you came to salvation through a friend? Hands up. Most of us, 80, 90, maybe 95% of us, maybe 99% of us, came, heard the word through community, through another individual. Maybe you are the odd exception like some of the pastors in India that I've met, an angel appearing to them and preaching the gospel, etc. But those are the rare exceptions. Generally, God works through community. Okay, so, let's get into the need. Okay, like I said, you, we are a generation most afraid of real community because it inevitably limits freedom of choice. Just get over your fear. Within context of Johannesburg... There's a couple of challenges that we experience in Johannesburg for for just having community. Obviously, geographically, we're pretty spread. Okay, so if we all were staying here around Roosevelt Park, for one, I wouldn't get that much complaints from the neighbors. But um, <laughs> um, but other than that, we'd be seeing each other a lot more because we're just in closer proximity. So there are a couple of challenges for us in Johannesburg, which is real challenges in which we need to get over. But that just emphasizes our need for deliberately making time for community. That's much more important. Because if for the Midrand guys, saw you guys during the week, um, they have to drive pretty far to come on a Sunday to church here. The guys in the East Rand, same story. They have to drive pretty far to come together on a Sunday morning. And I want to commend you guys. You guys are very faithful in doing that. However, there are times in the week when we get together, which is which those logistical challenges of distance. We have small group right at your doorstep, which is a great place then just, just to to prioritize it. So there are certain measures of where wow, we can just bridge that gap. But generally, the other thing is that's a big challenge for us in Johannesburg is is the limitations that we have on our time, um, or the seeming limitations. Let me put it that way: is that <laughs> is that we generally our our contract with our work unless maybe your contract says it differently is is eight hours unless you're in auditing or law or um consulting etc and then then hours sort of go through out the window and you just need to get the job done which most of us here we 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 gotta we gotta work to get the job done not to put in our hours um those in auditing consulting and legal we put in the hours so that we can put billable hours there and then we do extra stuff after that i know i'd worked uh, i was an auditor as well but here's other thing that i discovered with regards to time is your company will take as much time from you as that they possibly can up until the point where you say no okay i'm all for you have to at least work eight hours yeah, if you work full day, <laughs> I'm all for that. And there are going to be times when there are deadlines. we you going know, to work over weekends. you are going to have to work through the midnight hours, etc. I'm, I'm, uh, I have a lot of respect for that, and companies need to make their buck and those kinds of things. But the other thing is that I just realised, like, there, there are certain limitations to our time. Like, for the, for example, the first year that I was in Johannesburg in 2008, I was first year doing articles, and uh, I had I was doing honours while I started doing. Um, article so I had class I stayed in Kempton Park my mom stayed there at the time Our offices was in Houghton and then three days a week um, from 6 to 10 in the evening I had class in Randburg, and then after class at 10 then I drive back to Kempton Park and and that was my routine for for the year so physically well Wednesday evenings I had open but physically I just I just told the guys listen I'm this year I can't make small group a priority I love you guys, but I really can't. I'm going to die if I have to. So they had, they respected that. Sunday services, I was always there, I was serving, etc. But th- there were certain limitations to that season in my life. When that season finished, when second year of articles came, the workload was heavy because now you're more senior, now you have more responsibility, so you have more work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But from the beginning of second year, I'd, I'd already laid a foundation of a reputation at work that was a good reputation, and I was able to tell the guys, guys, with all respect, Wednesday evenings I not leave. I'm not working later than six or six thirty or whatever because I've got other commitments. It's funny if a if a mom's got a child and they work, all of the team respect that the mom needs to go home to a child. Agreed. N- not so if we say that we have a church thing going on on Wednesday. And they're like, what? <laughs> but but we we have got the. Or, let me let me give you this as a give you the not the responsibility what's the right word the permission to actually draw some boundaries at work it might hinder your your progress or your performance or something it might hinder that but at the same time there's there's certain things that we need to draw boundaries in so that we live according to God's model and not to what the work and, the, and, and, and this city, in that sense, dictate. Did you know, by the way, you know, this is like a Chappie's moment. You remember the old Chappie's, that they had this, did you know thing? Um, did you know that more time doesn't mean more community? No? More time for community means more community. Okay, so just making more time in your schedule. Ask the Capetonians. They have a lot more time. They don't have automatic more community. <laughs> right. If you don't know, the Capetanians, they, they struggle with community just for the sake of community, not because of time. Yeah. So the other thing is that that we, if the moment we become isolated, we die. We are relational beings. Um, there certain people that are more relational beings than others, and we have respect for that. Some people like the... the their own space and others like being the, the, the front of the party. Um, but the thing is that w- even when we hurt and we want to be left alone, at some point in time, we want somebody to comfort us. We want somebody to tell us it's going to be okay. You know what? Christ is the healer. There's somebody that we need to come alongside us when we, when we hurt, when we're down. What's the worst thing? of getting a breakthrough and not being able to share that with anyone. Right? Is that's within the context of community, everybody else can actually share in that. You put it up there, our day and age in our day and age we need more deliberate uh, we need to be more deliberate on engaging an authentic community or we run the risk of very superficial and shallow relationships. And i to 'm going to read an email to you that I received on Friday afternoon and i don 't think she's here today. Um, I sent it on to the guys th- uh, who it relates to um, and i want I want to commend you guys just as a as a community in general how we do get this right very often um, and i'm going to skip certain parts um, that's not relevant. It's addressed to Henny. Um, went to the Shofar Joburg account. So, so I would like to give thanks to many in your team who have spoken into both my daughter and my life in the past year, many unknowingly so. I visited your church around the end of July at the invitation of Neil. Unfortunately, I was serving at my own church that Sunday. I stayed until the end of praise and worship and needed to leave. But before I did, I completed the visitor's card. 'Cause just to give you a little bit of context, she she uh, she wasn't in a small they she wasn't in a small group in their church, so she joined a small group. And then she says, Your team have embraced and welcomed both my daughter and I. And we and we were contacted by a small group operating in Morningside as well as one operating in Craigle Park. I decided to visit the one in Morningside with Herman Steph, Ocker, and their team, and have not left. There we have found a home among homes with people who have welcomed us with open hearts and and hearts full of love. Despite the dynamics, as I am much older than any of them and am uh, am the only one with a child. Yet from the first day we attended their small group, they have made us feel a part of them and a part of the family. I was going through many challenges during this time, some I only shared with them recently. And having them welcome us with so much love and open hearts really made an impact on both my daughter and myself. It was often a haven for me where I found rest amidst some of the other challenges faced. And I'm really thankful to God and these people for welcoming us into the small group at the time that we started attending. I've noticed that nearly all your congregation are very young, but their hearts are not just to welcome people of their own age group, but all who they come into contact with, and this, I believe, is God's love working through their lives. Thank you, thank you to you and all for touching our lives in such a special way. Special, eh? Um, yeah, and the, the, that just touched me so much, is that we surround we surrounded, and we ourselves, often, we hurt and we, we are in need of Christ's love. And um, interesting enough, have you noticed that scripture that said nothing will ever separate us from the love of God? you realize that's a plural? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone into, into, the, into study it in the original text and so on. But it's interesting to note that nothing can separate us. And does is say nothing can separate me. It's within the context of the us that you won't be separated from God's love. Because God's love finds expression through others. Yeah. So my question to you is, do you value community? Do you value this community? It is often said that we value what we value can be determined by what we sacrifice. And it's so in line with what Herman also said this morning, is that if we value a community or if we value something, we sacrifice for it. Ask anybody that's got children. You, you sacrifice for them. I don't know which one comes first, by the way. Whether you love them because you sacrifice for them or you sacrifice because you love them. But, albeit, <laughs> No, I love my child before I had to sacrifice anything. So that came first. So I, I willingly sacrifice and lay my life down for my children um, because, I, because I love them. Same with, with regards to if we value authentic community, then we will sacrifice. Then we will drive from Midrand to here um, and, and not mind that because we, we place value on that and you don't mind the sacrifice. Um, so on Wednesday evening, some of the guys in Midran had to sit in the traffic all the way to Sunninghill, and uh, he's not here, Vivian. Um, he, I'm going to get to that. Vivian, he was just like, he, he, he pitched up there in a road rage mood. Um, and he just needed to vent, and, uh, and then we could carry on with Small Group. Um, but. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that later. Yeah. There's a couple, there's, there's certain things. I want us I wanna just to just spend some time on looking at some ingredients to authentic community. Yeah, we've looked at what the biblical pattern is. We looked at, we do have a need for for, um, for community, for authentic community. Uh, we're going to have a look at just some of the ingredients. And this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a couple of them that I've, that I've noted, which I'm going to stand still at, and which Henny has actually preached on previously as well, um, here and there. And I'll touch on that. And the first of that is um, is Christ at the center, or Christ-centeredness. For an authentic community, we need Christ at the center. And that involves so much. That involves, um, if Christ is at the center, everything else, everything else around us gets redefined. Um, and, Henny, and he preached on this in the second part of his series. He's, he's done three sermons now on God's building. Um, the second one was, was he, he preached on the foundation and, and this I took from his from his slides, um, where he just said that Jesus and his word are the only sure foundation for the church corporately, the only sure foundation for the members individually, and the only sure fonda- foundation God himself lays. The thing is, we all know that there is a lot of communities in the city. There's a lot of communities formed everywhere. That does not to surely make them automatically authentic or Christ-centered. But the kind of community that we want established is an authentic one and that is Christ-centered. Um, because you can have a community of guys playing touch rugby and they form a community or um, whatever. You can form a community basically around anything. Um, but what we want to focus our community on or around is christ at the middle, which redefines everything else, everything else that we do. The thing is that, that with, with, if, if Christ is not in the center, what we tend to do is we always, we always put our best foot forward um, when we get into contact with other people because we don't know how they are going to receive us. Because we don't know whether they're going to judge me for who I am if I just be myself. Um, and with Christ in the center there, we look at other people through Christ, because you look at Christ first, and then then you look at people and we look at people through through christ 's eyes. Amen. And then the second one is commitment this is a i 'm going to stand a little bit still yet at, at commitment and the thing is about about commitment and and, and this I pick up with especially I, I oversee all of our small groups and I, I pick this up with with small groups that get frustrated. Is typically the ones that struggle with commitment issues of their small group members. Um, Rightfully or wrongfully so, I'm not knocking everybody on the head here. It's just that sometimes we need to have this conversation about commitment. If you've done, if you're a member here, you'd have done. Um, encounter two follow-up, or if you're a member for long, you'd have done community or foundation too where we, we we talk about membership. And one of the things that we talk about there in terms of commitment is, what is it that you can expect from me, and what is what can me as a pastor and other congregation members, and what can I expect from you in terms of mutual accountability and encouraging each other to grow in Christ. And those, it's important that we in a in a in a small group context also have that kind of a conversation. About what are the commitments that we can expect from one another. Like, for example, when I did first-year articles, I couldn't commit to small group, and I communicated that. It was important to communicate that and not just disappear and say, okay, guys, I'm not coming to small group. Thanks. Cheers. Um, it was important that I communicated where I was at and what season God was in with me. Amen. Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day, obviously, I think, talking about Jesus' return. And uh, here's the thing about about commitment that I want to encourage, and that that draws from from Vivian's road rage the other night, (laughs) is that if you have to travel in certain traffic on your way to small group, which often we do, is that you have a half an hour, hour there in the car alone, which you can actually prepare yourself for small group and pray for the others in small group. Ever thought about that? You actually are more privileged than those that don't have to sit in traffic because they have to make other time to do that. Um <laughs> okay, no, I'm just kidding. But the thing is you can really utilize the time that you actually sit in traffic by praying for each individual by name that is actually going to be in small group. God, show me your heart for... You lean. God, show me your heart. for Lord, show me what it is that you want to bless the people in small group tonight with. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be here tonight, God, that you would minister, that we won't just have a superficial, artificial conversation tonight and not change. Um, th- those kinds of intercession for small group beforehand. And I can guarantee you if 10, at least 10 of the 12 people at small group, pray like that coming to small group i can guarantee you your small group is going to look and feel different every week i'm leaving the other two as not praying because they're visitors (laughs) yeah okay all right okay next one confidentiality you'd agree with me that for us to grow for you to share your heart you want it to be a safe place i hear these words often First, we need to create a safe place. So true. Small group needs to be a safe place. Um, This lady that sent the email registered that when she came into the small group. This is a safe place. Now, obviously, people that visit our small groups, they don't share everything that they're about from the word go. That is very natural. You also didn't do that when you first went to small group. That is very natural. But what we as humans do is we, we test the level of trust that we can trust people with. And if, if I share something with you and I pick up what I told Jan-Louis, I hear from Sunet a week down the line, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to necessarily trust Jan-Louis that easily immediately again. So, <laughs> sorry Jan-Louis. <laughs> so the, the thing is that, that we need to have an element of confidentiality when somebody shares their heart with us. We'll be here at Sunday Church or we it be at small group. You can't naturally assume that that this person wouldn't mind me telling the other person that I normally meet with on a weekly basis to pray with and for. You can't naturally assume that. Unless the person told you explicitly, you can tell Herman about this, then don't tell anybody about this. Only talk to God about it. I can't even tell my wife about it. Because, well, my wife is very good at keeping secrets. If you want to tell something if you want you want to tell my wife something and not let anybody else know. you can you, she's a natural with it um not necessarily always purposefully uh she just tends to forget to tell me certain things sometimes um it's like people that get pregnant in our congregation i like two weeks down the line i'm like whoo so and so are pregnant and she's like yeah no she knows I'm like why didn't you tell me it's <laughs> like oh i, I don't know how i should um and, and I was like, um, I didn't know whether they have made it public kind of a thing. So if you want to tell my wife something, you can. You can tell me also something. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, won't, I won't naturally go and tell my wife, okay? Um, all right. And then, next one, which flows. Um, oh, the other thing, just with regards to, to confidentiality, is that there's an element of transparency that we grow. And, and Christine shared it so so, so beautifully this morning. Um, is that um, you? You come there and you feel like people look straight through you. Um, and un, unlike popular belief, we as pastors can't see <laughs> past <laughs> what you give us. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So we don't have those kind of superpowers. Okay? Sometimes we do get word of knowledge, but then God wants us to know that, and then He wants us to share that. Okay, He doesn't just spill your secrets with us for the sake of having fun. Um, but transparency, we need to grow to a place of where we can be transparent because it is so needed for growth. If you hide all of your secrets in the corner and don't share that with anybody else, you're going to struggle to actually grow in those areas. This doesn't mean that you share this with everybody. Okay? There are certain things that you struggle with. Share it with the guys that, you, that are close to you and that you trust. Um, some people are not going to understand the struggles that you go through and have respect for that. Um, so, so choose who you're going to share those deepest, darkest secrets with, but for the sake of actually getting into the light. Um, and you'll see that God actually transforms that eventually into a place of where you can actually testify about it and ta- tell everybody in a congregation like this, this is what I'm struggling with or struggled with, and, and God has delivered me from that. But don't just keep it for ourselves. And if you if you don't have those kind of relationships in this congregation or in your small group, then uh, make a deliberate effort of that. I remember um, when I was in Johannesburg, we started working in 2008. Yeah, we were not that many. Steph will know. Guillermo, you see, struggling to leave. We sent him last week. He's back again. Uh, <laughs> Do we need to welcome you as a new member again, (laughs) Garmo? If you don't have that kind of a relationship with someone, it is going to be a little bit harder work to make those connections initially. Um, But we are the size of a congregation that somewhere you should find somebody that has a little bit in common with you. Back in the day, Steph and I just had to get something in common with um, and that was nobody normally on a golf course and stuff like that. No, no Steph and I come, al- <laughs> come a long way and we get, get along fine. But I remember like, it was the church consisted of one small group. So if if you didn't gel with somebody in your small group there, it was a problem. Um, when now you have the liberty of looking outside of your small group. Um, that doesn't mean you leave your small group just, okay, I don't like you, i go to the next one. But at the same time, what I'm saying is if you don't find meaningful relationships in this congregation, come talk to me because then there's something wrong. Uh, Either we are not geared to be switched on to meet you where you're at, um, or maybe there's something else. Okay, so next one, caring. Read with me Colossians 3, verse 12 to 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. I think that's a mouthful and it, say, it sort of talk, it talks to itself. And uh, I'd encourage you just to meditate on that further. But the thing is about a, com- a caring community will also be the one that prays for the people in the community. Um, often we 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 care a lot for the people in our community or in our congregation or in our small group. But we don't necessarily make it a habit of praying for people. And this is sort of like a the one feeds into the other. The more you pray for someone, the more you start to care. And the more you care, the more you should start to pray. Um, so that those two feed in each other. So let's really pray for one another. Even, even if you don't like the person, start praying for the person. Because God will cha- change our hearts. And, and often, it's the ones that we don't get along with who forms and shapes us the most. Um, their rough edges meet your rough edges and uh, that is just what we need in order to smooth those rough edges out sometimes yeah so just in summary I'm going to cover another couple of uh, ingredients but just to recap we've looked at Christ being at the center um, commitment confidentiality and caring and we're going to have a look at three others and then we're going to end off just keep an eye on the time yeah yeah Another one, conflict. How do I get from conflict from caring? <laughs> um, did you know that conflict is often necessary for growth? We meet in Christ, there's conflict. We are in a state of where we can't enter into his presence except if it is for the cro- cross of Jesus Christ. The conflict happened at the cross of Jesus Christ and our confrontation happens at the foot of the cross of Christ. Okay, so the thing is, conflict is a needed ingredient for our growth. And you'll know that anybody that you've walked the road with for longer than, let's say, a month, you are or close co- close relationship with, there is going to be conflict. Agreed? If you haven't yet, come talk to me. We'll sort that out. Okay. Um, even in marriage, or... Oh, yeah let me say even in marriage i don't want to say especially in marriage because that's just otherwise you think that that's what marriage is about No, even in marriage conflict happens but you as a couple grow if you sort that conflict out Yeah, okay. and herman i'm gonna i'm gonna use a little bit of an example of between you and me if you don't mind um herman, herman and i at a um we, we come a long way, and, and we partner together. He's very evangelical. i very very angel- evangelical. So we're very mission-focused, okay? So our personalities here and there overlap, and we're very the same. And we're both kind of guys that want to sort conflict out as quickly as possible. And I respect and I love him for that. And the fact that that him and I, we, we, we disagreed last year on something. I'm not, not going to give you all the details, confidentiality, okay? Okay. Um, but what happened is that, that we, we differed in some areas. And because we had the commitment towards each other, okay, and because we were confidential enough towards each other, we could actually approach one another and say, let's talk about this, let's sort this out. It wasn't an easy conversation. You can ask one it wasn't an easy conversation. But a year, year and a half down the line, we're still pursuing Christ. We are still pursuing what Christ has called us for because we are committed. And and and, and I appreciate that so much uh, from him that at the first glance of conflict, we don't run away. We actually sort it out. Uh, the same within the context of small group. If there's conflict in your small group and you say, I actually just want out of this boat, do you know what? If you go to another small group, the other small group, the old small group that you were in, not gonna grow because you never sorted out the conflict albeit with an individual or with a a whole group. Um, But, but, so there's healthy conflict. I'm not talking about negative conflict. Um, Somebody that comes into a small group that just want to reap havoc, just want to sow havoc, it's not going to, that doesn't fly with me. In in, in that, there's there's a place of where you just stop that and we move on. Um, But generally there's a healthy conflict that will happen in relationships. Um, But we need to have Christ at the center, be committed to one another, um, be confidential to one another and cage uh, for each other enough so that we would sort out the conflict that actually is un- underlying that. Okay, I mean, Herman, thank you for sorting out the conflict with me. <laughs> the other thing is, um, if we're going to be truly accountable to one another, um, we, we we encourage people to be uh, have accountability partners, etc., etc. If we are going to truly do that, the time when you want to really hide that thing that you want to be accountable about. Um, is a time that you need somebody to confront you about it and conflict might actually happen. Or if somebody does something that's contrary to their calling, you can say, but you said that God is calling you for this. Why are you doing this? It doesn't make sense unless it's a stepping stone to where God is calling you to. So has God changed the calling that you feel that God has played in in your life? Or is this perhaps not what God wants you to do? to have those kind of difficult conversations with one another. But that can only happen if we have those kinds of strength of relationship. Uh, You can read with me Mark 9, verse 33 to 35. Then he came to Capernaum. This is Jesus. Um, And when he was in the house, he, uh, um, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest and he sat down called the 12 and, and said to them if anyone desires to be first he shall be the last of all, all and servant of all and then he follows on and calling a child and saying that they'll be the greatest and etc we should not see conflict in small group as negative we should see it as an opportunity for growth because these guys had conflict. Jesus' disciples had conflict with one another. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Boys play this always. My dad is the greatest. My dad's the greatest. No, I, I get kind of a thing. Um, there's going to be that conflict. But Jesus uses that conflict for their growth. To explain something to them about how the kingdom works. So don't just despise conflict. There's one or two more scriptures. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 4. Just in terms of how our attitude when dealing with conflict. Therefore, And then Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." What I have picked up, we we we, this is not rocket science. You've noticed that we all work differently, okay? What I've t- noticed is two trends of how we deal, or maybe three, three trends of how we deal with conflict. You get the people that avoid conflict, that flee you get the other people that go straight on to conflict because they want to sort or they they want to fight okay and you get the other ones that want to fix it okay so you get those who want to flee fight or fix it um and i'm asking you kind of the thing which one do you tend to be um I, i often find if i am not in the mode of fixing the problem i try to avoid it me personally um you can ask my wife also there's conflict just stay quiet long enough then hopefully it'll go away (laughs) i've grown past that place where i know i need to fix it otherwise it's coming back again um so what in in a small group or in a church context kind of a setup people that tend to flee stay away from small group and just tend not to say anything that they are unhappy about or what is it they are in conflict with the other people that tend to fight um, so no, this is wrong. Um, just for the sake of fighting, it's very similar to those that flee. It's just that they don't leave the room; they just make it awkward for everybody else. <laughs> um, both are sort of centered in the in the self-preservation of wanting to flee because I want to preserve myself, fighting because I'm going to pre- preserve myself where if we come in an attitude of we want to try and fix this, we sort of lay down our weapons, and we make the reservation of I'm not leaving out that door. If you made a covenant with your wife, that is the kind of commitment that you have, that you won't flee out the door and never come back. That is not necessarily what society dictates, but that is the kind of covenant, biblical covenant that we've made with our husband and with our wives. That is that my wife is the surety that no matter how big a fight we have, I'm never leaving her. So she can be real and honest with me. Because she knows I'm not going anywhere. That's sort of like... But, it, but, it's, but it's a safe place for her. Same other way around. Is that I can be real because she's not going anywhere. She loves me. She cares for me. She's committed to me because we also share Christ as the center of our relationship. Good. So just brought that into marriage. The people doing marriage prep can use that. Um Okay, so let's fix the problems. That means you are going to have to confront it at some stage. In the bigger small group is probably, might not be the time, but maybe to go and drink coffee with a person that rubbed you up the wrong way is perhaps the way to go. Sometimes if it's a big problem within small group and everybody knows it's a white elephant standing in the room, then that's the place probably to deal with it because you want the elephant to be on the outside. Okay, last, last two is... The sixth one is a is your contribution, a contribution for the community you work, and Henny, Henny also preached about this in the, in the first part about he, he, he uh, preached about the tabernacle. And I'm not going to go through it in detail. I encourage you to go and download those sermons. Uh, by the way, Daniel has set up for us all of our sermons are now on podcast, so you can go to your podcast app on your phone and search shofar Joburg sermons and then subscribe to that so in the event that you are not here on a sunday morning having to go unfortunately to a wedding down in the western cape you can always listen to it on a on a sunday don't skip church stay in midrand in bed because you can listen to it on the podcast okay um anyway so any priest on that any um about the tabernacle and he left this with us for for, with, for discussion questions: Is how can I value God's building more? How can I, how, how is God's bu, how is God building through me? And how can um, how can God um, build through me? Okay, so it relates to our contribution. I, I'm not going to go into the whole uh, to, into the conversation about contribution. Just know that if you are not present, you can't make a contribution. If you're not on small, at small group on a Wednesday evening, you can't make a contribution unless you Skype in or send a voice note and say, guys, sorry, and share some words of encouragement or whatever. There's some practical. But think, same on a Sunday morning. You won't know what God is busy doing here if you're not here. Same, you won't be able to bring a word to the rest of the congregation if you're not here. God can't use you in this context if you're not here. Sort of like make logical sense. Amen? And then the last one which and he spoke about well, two weeks ago, uh, Christ-likeness. And uh, he, he sp- spoke slightly more about drawing near. And he said, Since we have a perfect priest who offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, let us draw near to God with confidence. Let us draw near to the future with hope. And let us draw near to each other with intent. Um, and I just want to just stand still here for a moment. Is It's being Christ-like that joins us together. Um, It is... is, If... If we want to become more like Christ, then we are going to be in the midst of people. Yes, Jesus did isolate himself at times. To do what? To go and pray. But... Jesus finds himself in the midst of community, in the midst of people, for the sake of people. So if we are going to become more and more Christ-like, we will also find ourselves in the midst of people and aligned to his purposes. Amen? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. If we're going to become more Christ-like, we're going to join ourselves to his purpose, to his calling, of seeking and saving lost. Now we can't save the lost, but we need to take the gospel of salvation to the people, um, and that is an element. Being Christ-like obviously involves all of the all spheres of our lives: loving each other, being committed to one another, uh, forgiving one another, sacrificing for one another, etc., etc. But it also involves missional intent. It involves laying down our lives for the sake of those. That don't know him, and then just in closing, maybe just on that on on Christ likeness, I said that Christ likeness joins us together with other people as a catalyst to become more like Him, for both my own and their discipleship, and to pursue His purposes of redemption for the world together. So just to recap. We looked at those seven. We, we looked at the pattern for authentic community. We looked at the need for, for authentic community. And then we looked at some of the ingredients there. Um, call them the seven C's. Uh, there's other C's that you can also throw in there. Conclusion is not one of them. Um, <laughs> celebration, perhaps. We want to be uh, an authentic community that celebrates one another, that celebrates Christ, the finished work of the cross, etc. There's a whole lot of other things that we can include there. But those are the things that I feel that God just wanted us to just stand still with with today. Um, and let's let's really make this an effort to be, to make this a part of our DNA. I know we're all at the end of the year. We're sort of winding down. you are like, um, how must I start this conversation if I'm busy unwinding? The thing is just start having this conversation with God at the very least. And if you're going away on holiday tomorrow and only coming back in January, pick up that conversation with the rest of your small group or church members here. Um, and if you're here and and you're not in a small group come talk to us i'd really love to slot you into a small group um, depending on your geographical sphere or what your or or, um, just demographics etc our limitation limiting factor often in johannesburg is geography we are far from one another but we're growing to a place now of where we can put more younger families together or families together kind of a thing but um, all, all I'm saying is that if you're not in a small group, let's start prioritizing those small groups. Coming together in a smaller group. But let's also not neglect the coming together of the big group. Amen. Now, the people neglecting the coming together of the big group is probably not yet today. So, um, have this conversation with them in small group at some stage. Um, and and like um, Arman also said earlier is that like, we sacrifice often here. Our offering is for the guys coming, up, er, coming in early to set up the worship team, to set up the sound. Um, but those are all a means to an end. And it is a means to connect with Christ, for us to gather around Christ and His purposes. Um, so when you come to church, if you drive from Midrand, or even if you drive from, Rudy, from Roosevelt Park, Come prayed to church, not just preparing your own heart, but asking God, who is it that He wants to minister to today? Maybe He's going to use you, or maybe you're just creating a platform for God to move into somebody's life. So let's let's really just prepare prepare our hearts. And some of the questions that I want us to just to take take home with, or just think. On, um, let's look at the questions first before the conclusion it says. And this is what I want us to have a look in at small group, albeit if you don't have time this year, at next year sometime. to says, evaluate in which areas of our community, the small, the big, or the house-to-house, do you as an individual need to grow in. Identify which areas, with reference to the ingredients, gr- ingredients mentioned, you need to grow in. And then determine where you can and will make the change going forward. And just before I get to the conclusion, I just want to just just say this: that that family is important, time is important, um, and like just coming back to our boundaries that we that we draw. Um, I know that we have limited time, and some of us work very long hours, and you just want to get to your family, etc. But I just want to say that having family, um, we can't we can't afford to neglect authentic community for the sake of our family our families need to see how we prioritize authentic community because if they see that because we have challenges or because we're very busy then our kids are going to do what we do they are not going to do what we say it's just the natural form of reproduction that happens (laughs) people monkey see monkey do my child does what i do I lick the salt from my plate, she does that. I can't tell her not to do it because I'm doing it. Um, so let's prioritize this coming together. So in conclusion, let's be willing to pay the price to gain the prize of authentic community. And let's make sure we are an authentic community in all spheres. Big group, small group, and house to house. By being Christ-centered, committed, confidential, caring, conflict-resolving, contributing, and Christ-like. Amen.